where if we read that, John tried to deter him. He said, Jesus, no, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You know, you've got to be kidding. You're Jesus. But Jesus knew that that was right for John to baptize me. It was right and proper for John. You know, after all, he was John the Baptist. So Jesus gets baptized. You know, and something quite incredible in that moment, you know, we read that heaven was opened. That Jesus and the people there saw the Spirit of God descending on him. And the voice from heaven, this is my son whom I love, whom I am well pleased. You know, that's awesome, isn't it? That there we have this moment where Jesus is baptized in a dirty river by John the Baptist and the Spirit of God comes on him. And there's an audible voice where the Father in heaven says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You know, there's such great pleasure in God when he witnesses his son being baptized in the Jordan. And it's true for each of us. Who remembers their baptism? There's such joy, not just in heaven, but for our friends of the church, our family, that this is the day where you're declaring that Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life. The act of baptism, it symbolizes the washing away of the old and clothing ourselves with the new. It symbolizes the desire to turn away from the desires of the flesh of the world and turning and trusting in the redeeming and cleansing, restoring power of Jesus. It's a symbolic act which reminds us of what Jesus did for each of us when he died on the cross. When he died for sin, that he paid the price, and not just that, that he rose again the moment we come out of the water. You know, Romans 6 says this, and this is the, the message version. This is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. And when we came out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That's what baptism is. Baptism means the life of Jesus means. When we're lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. When we're raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father, so we can see where we're going in our new grace sovereign country. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin miserable life. No longer as sin's every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. That's the truth. We are included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. You know, that's the joy of a Christian. Death has no power. 
We have eternity with the living God through Christ. Christ has enabled us to be completely clean, has enabled us to come into the wonderful throne room of heaven when we worship and declare his praises. What a wonderful truth. And then it finishes, when Jesus died, he took sin down with him, but alive, he brings God down to us. Baptism is a response to the decision that we've already made to put our trust and faith in Jesus. Our obedience to get baptized isn't something we perform in order to be saved, but rather we obey in response to the salvation that he's already given us as we've trusted in Jesus. Water baptism is a great thing. The water symbolizes the great freedom that we've received in Christ. In Christ, we've received great freedom. You know, we too can live resurrected lives in the hope and joy that we have in Christ. You know, this is true. This is the truth. We've been raised to life. Eternal life with Jesus. And baptism is the great reminder of this truth. Do you believe that? That you've been raised to new life with Jesus. The second baptism that we find in the Bible is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, as Steve's already mentioned, today in the Church of England is the celebration of Pentecost Sunday where we uh, celebrate, or they, they celebrate in the calendar, the day that the Holy Spirit came on the disciples in the upper room. And they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. That must have been a wonderful day. Can you imagine being there on that day when the disciples were baptized with the Holy Spirit? The room shook and the power of God came on the, those people in that room. You know, there is power in God. There is power available to each one of us as we outwork our Christian faith. You know, our profession of faith and trust in Jesus is all we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus says to his disciples to wait in the city until they've been clothed with power From on high. In Acts 1, we read Jesus say to the disciples, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What a promise! What a promise for each one of us that we can be baptized with the Holy Spirit that we can receive the very power that raised Jesus from the dead. The Holy Spirit came on ordinary people. The disciples, those first disciples were fishermen. They were just ordinary people going about ordinary lives. Yet when the Holy Spirit came on them, their lives were transformed in order to see the outworking of God in their generation. You know, know, we see it, the Holy Spirit transforming lives in the Old Testament. We see Gideon, we read of it in Judges. 
His life was radically changed. You know, God spoke to him. And he was saying to God, you know, how can I save Israel? God's people at that time were in utter mess, worshipping all sorts of things. And God called Gideon. And Gideon said, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. Do you feel like that? I am the least in my family. I am the last person that God would want to choose to outwork his purposes. Yet that makes you the most ideal person for God to outwork his purposes. God chose Gideon. And Gideon was obedient. A short time after this declaration of Gideon, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He blew a trumpet, summoning all the people of God to follow him. Do you know how many people gathered together when he blew his trumpet? 22,000 men. Isn't that incredible? This man who didn't think much of what he was, when the Spirit of the Lord came on him, he gathered 22,000. That's incredible. He was empowered with the Holy Spirit. He knew that he was called of God, and he went and was obedient to what God had called him to. Now, if you know the rest of the story, he didn't use all of those 22,000 men. In fact, he needed to take each step by faith and trusting in God's deliverance as he kept walking and walking with God. Because actually, in walking with faith... God stripped those 22,000 down to 300. And God still delivered the Midianites into Gideon's hands. But the point is, he was filled with God's Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. We read of the Holy Spirit being with Joshua, or in Joshua, as he was asked to lead the Israelites to the Promised Land. We read of others, King David... Saul, Samson, Elisha, you know, somebody that was hungry and thirsty to carry on what Elijah had started. He wanted the empowering of the Holy Spirit in order to outwork God's purposes for his life. In the Old Testament, we see of many special isolated people being filled and led by the Spirit. It's wonderful to see how God chooses people and raises them up to outwork his purposes. But we also read that this isn't going to be the norm. That it's not just going to be a few. Joel prophesies that a time will come when God's spirit will be poured out on all people. That the Holy Spirit would give us boldness and confidence that the Holy Spirit will give us a determined resolve to live out all that God has called us to be. John the Baptist said, you know, I baptize with water for repentance, but after me will come one more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You know, if you think of the Holy Spirit... And if you think of it, something that is just, you know, um, small and containable, 
then actually I wonder whether that is a true representation of God's Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit is God. It's part of the Trinity of God. It's a mighty wind. It's, as it says here, it's, you can see it as fire. It, it can be consuming, but not too consuming that we feel overwhelmed. We can invite the Holy Spirit. What's your experience of the Holy Spirit? Is it a fire? Is it something that burns brightly within you? A number of years ago, I was at a, a Christian conference. And, um, you know, I, I remember praying for this young guy to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to receive the Holy Spirit. And I could see that God was doing something in his heart, in, in this man's life. He had his eyes closed, and his face was absolutely beaming with just the, the wonderful presence and the goodness of God. There was such joy in his face. Then all of a sudden, he just started running on the spot. You know, and he started to run faster and, and faster. And in the end, he was so full of the Spirit, he just needed to run. And he just ran from where we were praying, and he just ran around the tent, praising and worshipping God. It was wonderful to see. God just really getting a hold of someone and then just almost expressing that joy of knowing the Holy Spirit. You know, we can be a Christian living out our Christian life and not be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can be a Christian who's been filled with the Holy Spirit but have forgotten how to come back and be refilled by God's Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God. Huge drafts of Him. Huge drafts of Him. The refreshing infilling of God's Spirit. You know, I've been completely filled with the Spirit. But I need to keep coming back to God I want more of God's Spirit. On the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, we read that Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. The Spirit has now come. The Spirit is now with us and amongst us. The Spirit is here today. So what is the criteria for being filled with the Spirit? As I've just read from the Gospel, where Jesus stood in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The only criteria is being thirsty, of coming to Jesus. How thirsty are you? You know, I'm really thirsty. When I see of all the things that are going on in this country, it, it breaks my heart. 
And I am thirsty for more of God. I am thirsty for him to come and change the things that are going on. Are you thirsty this morning? That is the criteria to being filled with the Spirit. It's not whether you're holy enough. It's not whether you're worthy enough. It's not even whether you think you understand enough. It's whether you're thirsty. When you come to Jesus and drink, he satisfies your thirst. You know, it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. And he will give his Holy Spirit to those who are thirsty. So just to finish, being baptized in water is a great declaration and symbol that we have been washed clean. Are you living in the truth that you've been completely and utterly washed clean? That you are completely accepted by Jesus? This is the truth. It's the same today as it was the day you were baptized. That Jesus' death and resurrection has made a way for us to know God. That we are forgiven. That we are completely forgiven. That sin no longer has a hold on us. The worries, the fears, the brokenness of the world around us, they have nothing on us. Because we can know the acceptance and the truth and the grace of God for us as we receive Christ's redeeming love and healing. If you've never accepted Jesus as your saviour, then it's a, an invite that Jesus gives to all people. He wants you to know that he loves you and he's waiting for you. If you've never made a decision to invite Jesus into your heart, then I would encourage you to do that today. It is the best decision that you could ever make. Jesus is here. Jesus is alive. And secondly, the second baptism, and that is of the Holy Spirit. What a promise that we have, that we can receive the very power of God. That that is a promise that can be realized right now. That the Holy Spirit empowers us each to make a difference. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the boldness to speak out for God's kingdom. And if you've never experienced the Holy Spirit, if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, if you've never prayed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then I would love to pray with you today to receive and know the Holy Spirit in a new way. And if you're thirsty... If you feel dry, come and receive. Come and receive his Holy Spirit. The life-giving spirit that Jesus promised, Jesus promised to us, his children. Amen. Do you want to stand up? I just want to pray for us first. And then Mike's going to lead us in a, a song to respond to what God may have been speaking to us this morning. If you're happy to, hold your hands out. 
as I just pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the reminder that baptism gives us that we have new life in you, that the old is gone and the new has come, that we are new creations in you, Jesus. And Lord Jesus, I pray, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. And I just pray that you will impart something fresh, Lord. Holy Spirit, come now, we pray. Come draw close to each one of us. Lift us up, Lord, we pray. Fill us afresh, we pray, right now. Fill us, Lord, that we'd be overflowing, Lord, with your goodness and grace to those around us. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Lord.